Welcome to All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time. Our podcast offers friendly conversations with inspiring individuals in the autism community. All Autism Talk is brought to you by Learn Behavioral and the Learn Provider Network. Now here's your host, Richie Plush. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of All Autism Talk, a podcast brought to you by the Learn Behavioral Network, a leading provider of ABA services across the country. This week, I wanted to make sure we talked about our mental health as the parents, as the caregivers, as the clinicians. I know in the past, we've talked about the stress of all the changes that we're experiencing and how that can impact our sons or daughters or the ones we care about with autism. But I wanted to make sure that we had a conversation about how we can be taking care of ourselves and our mental health. And so this week, we sat down with Evelia Ilarraz, and she is a bilingual, bicultural, licensed clinical social worker. She's been servicing families uh, and individuals through psychodynamic therapy for the past 10 plus years, and she graduated from Columbia University with a master's degree in social work. I hope you learned something from this conversation. Hi, Avelia. Welcome. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. So I want to talk, I mean, we're just going to dive in with some parent stress. I think we're all stressed. Everyone's having a, having different stresses kind of with all that's going on with uh, COVID-19 yeah. and I, various forms of isolation or shelter in place. What are some things that you're seeing right now as people are processing their fears and their stresses? Well, I'm noticing that a lot of people had all these great tools in place before covid And now that we're all home and dealing with new stressors, that those same tools aren't working as well as they did before. So I'm seeing anxiety and depression and just stress really showing up in different ways and um, people feeling limited on how they can process and release. So so it sounds like people had, maybe they had a good system set up and then this just kind of threw a wrench in all of that. What were some tools that people were using before that maybe they have to revisit now? Well, I think you know, being able to, like, go outside, right, and easily, like, use their community or any kind of great programs that were hosting groups, um, being able to just freely be out in the world was, such, you know, such an underutilized tool that, or at least not acknowledged that it was, like, a huge part of coping and being able to release has been taken away, and so, being able to just simply rely on community, be part, being part of different groups is just something that I think has been become a huge shift on how people are realizing they were coping before and can't now. Right, right. And I think we, we've talked before on this show um, a little bit about, you know, advocating for parents to find their find their community, find their safety net, find their security, mm-hmm. and find people that have uh, similar stresses and similar experiences that they can pull support from, but that's hard to do these days. That's hard to do uh, sitting on the phone or on a, yeah. you know, a Skype call. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's not quite the same. It's, it's not quite yeah. the same. <laughs> I was just going to mention that I think um, even providers themselves are having a hard time restructuring how they're getting services to, to families and to individuals. And so it's a thing that um, – we're all facing together. And as long as there's efforts being made to create space for mental health, I think that we can endure. And um, while it's not the same, like it's making sure that you can create space for yourself is going to be incredibly important to help you process and deal with the stress that's showing up. 
I mean, I think about the ways that like I feel stress and the way, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I like to go for a walk as that's one of my routines. Every night I try to go for a walk. That's one of the ways I keep myself, my mental health in balance. It's a way for me to regulate myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but great. I find myself being, I find myself being, uh, you know, shorter with my kids at times or, mm-hmm. you know, my wife and I are bickering with each other for no, for no reason. No, you know, no reason. Yeah. Um, what, what are things that, uh, what are ways that stress can manifest or what are some things that parents might be showing or individuals might be showing as they're feeling stress and all of this? Yeah. I mean, I think you have a great example of just like how being short and having a shorter fuse than one might have had before. I think, um, feeling burnt out and feeling like there's a lack of energy, mm. not being able to be present and engage with their children as they had before, not being able to have like a timeout for themselves and um, just not being able to like find joy in moments that um, used to bring joy before. I feel like that's how stress is really showing up in families right now. And those would have been, you know, a few months ago that would have been easy to maybe find a babysitter and go to a movie mm-hmm. or um, yeah. have a nice have a nice dinner out and, and a glass of wine, but that's a little bit harder to do now. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. I think parents are working 24 hours now. They had been before, but that 24 hours feels so differently nowadays um, mm. because they're not able to like decompress and step away from the home and have that babysitter or have that night out with the friends or be able to rely on their partner because now they're in it together. If there is a two parent household, it's hard to switch off. And then for the single parents out there, I can only imagine that um, they're really, really having a hard time and just being able to feel like they have their own space and not feeling like they have to entertain and provide uh, constant support for their children because they're the educators now and the parents and the nurse and, you know, providing the food, providing the love. And there's a lack of that own energy going inwards. And so I know everyone's feeling that, that burnout right now. Right. Well, there's a, I don't know what the exact saying is, but it's like, you can't, you can't uh, fill a cup from an empty pitcher. Right. And so many yeah. people have empty, <laughs> they're, they're em- not empty, but they're just, they're struggling with that. Um, yeah. What are some, you know, you mentioned that, that our, our normal coping mechanisms may not be available um, what are some things that families can be doing that maybe they hadn't considered before? Or, you know, what are some extra tools we can put in their toolkit for when they're managing that stress? Yeah, so there's there's such a variety of really small things that can at times feel really silly, but it's going to be so important to start incorporating these, like, small moments of relief and mindfulness to begin to create just, like, clarity and that feeling of being grounded one I like to practice every morning is listing off things I'm grateful for and it could be really small detailed things and larger things so sometimes I'm like I'm grateful for the comfortable sheets I have in my bed I'm comfortable I'm grateful that I have a safe home I'm grateful that I can rely on my partner for support I think taking that, those first few moments and beginning your day in gratitude can really set the tone. So that's one small practice to begin to incorporate. One, another practice to continue to, is going for those walks, those daily walks and just being able to see the sun and take in fresh air is going to be helpful. 
I think if it's possible, like having family yoga time, having family meditation time and teaching, teaching our, um, our young ones how to really go inward and connect with the breath and the body can really help regulate and calm that stress. It can really just create awareness of like what maybe like a child realizing their, what their mommy might, might be feeling or what they were feeling and how being able to slow down and bring that awareness can help us also let go. So just creating these like small little tasks and making sure like how can I engage my child in a way where I don't feel like I'm having to do everything for them, right? So maybe helping, having them help for dinner, having them set up, helping them learn new chores in the house that maybe, you know, were so mindless to the adults, maybe could be an adventure for the child. So it's just taking a moment to ground down, slow down, and find joy in things that maybe felt so um, just chore-like and making it feel more like an adventure. Because then when someone feels that responsibility, like, they find a lot of pride in that. So it's just Mm -hmm. learning how to make small things be important so you can slow down. I like that because I think it it really does a couple of things. You know, I I always think about my behavior is is the model for my son and my daughter. And if I can take a moment where where I'm feeling really stressed and and practice – uh, taking a break, uh, you know, having having a few minutes of just deep breathing, maybe sure, making sure I, you know, do yoga or go for a walk or even just, you know, <laughs> be in front of our house where there's sunlight. Like even just that sometimes is helpful. Exactly. And I think it's a good opportunity for us to really show our children that like, look, I'm not, I'm not perfect and I'll never pretend to be. Um, and it's a mm-hmm. good opportunity for them to see that like, I'm going to get upset and frustrated too, and that's okay. And this is how I deal with it, you know. No, I totally agree. I think it's important for parents to show that they're stressed out too. They can't hide that. And the more their child is exposed to, like, wow, like my parents are stressed out right now. Like, let me, and notice what they're doing, how to cope with it. Instead of hiding it, then, then, like you said, we're the models. They're going to learn how to not deal with the stress if we don't express while we're stressed and I need to do this to take care of myself. It's so important to communicate that the adults are stressed too. They are not these, like, well-put-together people. We're humans. We have emotions. (laughs) And the more we can talk to our children about it, the better they're going to be at recognizing it and regulating it and managing it. So it's so important to, to be honest about that. I think about so many of our families, so many of our uh, clients with autism that are learning about emotional regulation, that are working through coping strategies with so many of their clinicians. It's it's really important for us to name the name the feeling, name the emotion, name what it is that they're yes. experiencing. Can you talk to us a little bit about why it's important for us to name those feelings? Yeah, it's so important because the more we're able to really recognize an emotion, whether it's positive or difficult. Um, the more we can recognize it and name it, it allows us to manage it. And so every time it shows up, instead of it being the driver and you reacting and responding without knowing what's happening to your own body, that awareness really creates, okay, I am feeling frustrated. All right, I can sense it in my jaw. I can sense it in my shoulders. 
something that's occurring right now doesn't feel good. I need to slow down, take a step back, and just name it. And when someone is able to just name a feeling, it almost takes the power away from the feeling in a sense. Because then maybe that moment of frustration was so silly. It's like, oh, someone didn't put the toilet paper on the roll again. Instead of losing it, it's like, <laughs> oh, like I can simply just do this and remind my partner to do it next time. <laughs> right. But it becomes important to name it because if you just like wave, let it wave over you and don't acknowledge it, the buildup begins to just take over the body in a way that sometimes you're not always aware of. And that's when we can become have really nasty reactions that we can feel shamed of. And so you don't want to shame yourself for having a feeling. You really want to like acknowledge it, honor it and let it go. Right. The feeling isn't the, isn't the, the problem, right? The feeling is just how we feel, mm-hmm. but it's the way we react. Maybe that is the problem yeah. or not appropriate. And so if we can yeah. name the feeling, then we can say, I'm feeling frustrated. Here are, three things that I've done in the past when I felt frustrated or I'm feeling angry. Exactly. Here are things I can do to, to help myself get back to like, you know, my baseline, my calm state, if you will. Yeah. And it teaches, it teaches the children too to like, okay, like they're able to name the feelings. Like I'm going to start naming feelings. And when you're able to name the feelings and share them to the people around you, they'll be mindful of how they interact with you. And like, if you're angry, then they'll know to like, if you ask for space to give, they can give it to you. But if someone mm. doesn't know you're angry and frustrated and they're asking something simple of you and you explode, it's going to create tension. And so the more our children have words and adults too, and naming their own feelings, the like the more empathy we can have for each other. What you just said made me think of uh, the other day I was stressed. It was one of those days where I was late for something and I couldn't find my keys and I was trying to find myself, you know, everything was scattered everywhere. And I, I turned to my son and I said, I'm just really stressed. And he goes, dad, I'll help you. And he went and got me a pair of shoes and they were not the right pair of shoes for whatever I was wearing. But (laughs) like for, for whatever reason, it was like, he knew that that was, I was feeling a certain way and this was his way to help. So. Yeah, exactly. And that's such a beautiful example of how, like when we, we express how we feel, in a way that is helpful, like others around us are going to like receive it. And the fact that, and it, it's all about like that continuous bond as well, because you don't also don't want to create like, I'm stressed, like stay out of my way. It's more like I'm stressed right. and like, I will be so receiving of your help. Yeah. I'm stressed. Let's work on this together. Or I'm frustrated. Let's get through this together. Yeah. You mentioned something a little earlier and I kind of want to go back to it. Um, you were talking about, Families using their communities. Um, what are ways that families can be using their communities now that can keep them safe? I mean, you know, families all across the country are in different stages of, you know, stay six feet away versus staying at home versus, mm-hmm. you know, what are what are some ways that people can be accessing some of those but also maintaining some of those health regulations? Yeah, yeah, it's so dependent of where you're at. That's true. Um I know that there's a lot of Zoom dates happening where um, a lot of people are taking turns facilitating, like, Zoom play dates. And it can be hard, but, like, if you can get, like, 15, 20 minutes of that time in, like, it's going to be so helpful. So, like, reach out to your community, like, create a Zoom play date with, like, a goal in mind. Like, we're all going to read this book or we're all going to go outside and show our backyards. 
it's really taking that moment to like be creative and engaging the family in a ways that may feel um, like small, but when you're exposing your own world to another person, like they're going to be so engaged and want to know what's going on and the children want to share what they've been experiencing. And so those zoom play dates are so important. There's also all these other beautiful zoom things happening. There's free yoga, free meditation, free art classes. Um, it's important right now to use those resources to um, one, like engage in, in, in educational ways and also like to take a break from having to be the entertainer yourself. I know that <laughs> right. there's also like, yes. And there's huge wide parks and, and it's just so difficult. It's depending on the age of the child. But I know that um, one of my girlfriends, like she has an eight-year-old. And so it's like, they'll go to the park. The children have been spoken to. They know they can't play with each other, but just be able to have that conversation at a distance has been helpful. And, you know, I advise that with a lot of, um, with caution, but it just, it's so, so dependent of where you're at. And I know there's other families that, um, are slowly talking about how to open up their pods so that they can find relief um, by sharing some time and space with each other. But again, that's super cautionary. It's so dependent of where you're at and um, just making sure you use your resources. Right. Use your resources and also use a little bit of creativity, right? Um, My sister-in-law did a, she did a, I think it was a drive through McDonald's date and, you know, they drove through McDonald's, exactly. got some food, and they sat in the parking lot. And, you know, they were a car, you know, they were everybody stayed in their cars, but they were kind of all parked in a circle. And you could at least see people and wave to people and, and yeah. talk a little bit. Again, be respectful of the laws and, and exactly. the, the requirements in your area. But mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's okay to be creative. Um, it's okay to be creative. And I, I, like what you, I like what you said about the, the Zoom dates. Have a goal in mind. You know, if yes. if if our goal is to read a book today, we're going to focus on this one activity or we're going to do this arts and crafts. Um, Is there some benefit to having a goal in mind? Yeah, it creates structure um, around um, for the, for the, whoever is participating for like the child or the family, it creates structure. And so like when there's structure, especially right now where it's feeling like we're at home and everyone's like, there's no structure. Um, yeah, it can be really helpful to have a, a, a goal and an outcome and, and then celebrate that outcome together. Like, let's say, for example, it's like, who can finish this puzzle the fastest, right? And so it's like a family's working on it. Like, that family, like, wins something, maybe, like, they're gifted with, like, the next time to, like, choose what the next project will be. And it just gives, a, gives like, a goal. And when you achieve that goal, you can celebrate it. And I think structure right now is so important for all of us, and and I think that's a really great way for us to provide a little bit of a little bit of clarity for our sons and daughters, and for our students, and for our clients, and making sure that they have they have a clear expectation. Uh, it's so hard right now with some schools are winding down, some schools are starting up. You know, all sorts of different things are happening. Um, in terms of what's available and what's not. So I, I like that idea of having a nice, clear idea of going into a meeting with a purpose. Um, I know for my yeah. kids it's it's certainly helpful because if they're just like, great, we're just going to chat, then that's when I start seeing yeah. more behaviors it's happen. Right? Shorter then time. Can't sit in, <laughs> yeah, they can't sit in their seats, yeah. and then they want to show this thing, and then they're talking about this, yeah. and they're doing all these fidgeting-type behaviors as opposed to exactly. let's sit and try to meet Work our goal. Work on something. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. It creates that focus and it allows you to have like more time to just be engaged in that call, in that activity, in that project. I know um, my family and I um, have had loteria nights where it's like Mexican bingo and they set the Zoom call for an hour, but it then ends up being three, which always surprised me because it's like usually like, okay, everyone's zoomed out, but because there's like, it's a competition and the next person gets to pick the next game. Like it's, it becomes this really like engaging thing. I love that. That's great. That's, that's another great creative way that families can be engaging their their families and their peers and their social network. I have a question about what are things I can be watching out for from for my friends? You know, I think parents have this, there's sort of this expectation that parents can handle anything, and, and we try really hard to show that we can handle anything to our, to certainly our children, but also to other parents. What are things that I can be watching out for as I'm having a Zoom call with my friends and family as for signs of stress? Are there things I should be looking out? And when, when should I talk to them about, I'm seeing you be more stressed, mm-hmm. let's get help? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, things to look out for are just the level of engagement, mood, if someone seems a lot more sad or um, disconnected or even expressing like I'm like I'm starting to lose it. Because sometimes that can be like a very, like, I'm about to lose it, you know, general kind of comment. But, you know, really Mm -hmm. asking that, like, hey, like, what do you mean by that? And being curious without being, like, too, like, hey, I think something's wrong with you. But just being curious, like, hey, like, what are you doing to take care of yourself? And that's usually, like, a beautiful question that can open up, well, I'm doing nothing, like, I haven't slept or I'm not really eating well. Like, and that can be such a gateway into like, Hey, do you think like you might need some more support? So it's really just looking for a shift in like mood and engagement um, than they previously had before. It's, it's without judgment and it's just, you know, showing that there's um, letting them know that you're, you, you can see a shift because maybe they haven't yet. Yeah. I know certainly, you know, families, families with children with autism, right. They were stressed before this, they were stressed, Yes. before things changed and before schedules stopped and before schools closed and before all of those things. And so, you know, certainly if you're a, if you're a family and you're, and you're noticing a change in a friend or a family member, um, talk to them, ask them, see if they're okay, exactly. see if they need help, see what they're doing to take care of themselves. Um, yeah. you know, I think now is a time where, where, uh, there's a, there's a, it's a little bit more acceptable for us to be vulnerable with each other, right? Because we can, mm-hmm. yeah, we we should be able to do that. So, so if you're yeah. seeing something go on with your one of your friends, if you see something, say something. Ask them if they're okay. Yeah, and it's not being rude. It's not being invasive. It's it's showing that you care, and we're in we're experiencing something that hasn't been experienced before by our generations, and so it's important to to know that none of this is normal and people's mental health are going to shift in ways they hadn't ever been shifted. And so it's important to like reach out and be curious about your community and your loved ones, because you never know what someone's dealing with. And um, if you can just open up a conversation and invite them to, to let them know how you're feeling could be a really like a huge saving grace. I love that messaging. I think that's fantastic for, for families. 
Um, what are what, so when if families do recognize that they're feeling stress, or if if a, if parents are saying, "Man, I I do need some additional support," where should where should, where do they go? I what do they do? Is, is it a Google search? Where, where do they where do they start? Yeah, so there's such beautiful ways to explore how to get help and how to um, seek support. Um, I know there's a lot of support groups that you can um, access, but if you're really wanting to just really have your own space, like your own individual support systems, or maybe even a family like support space, like looking for a therapist uh, right now is something I really highly recommend because we're dealing with something we've never dealt with before. And the way to go about that is one, I always encourage um, people to, to speak to their friends and family, um, about therapy, like asking them, have you, have you done therapy before? What was it like? And to just give you a certain idea from like someone you trust of what it's like from there, you can, that's where you use the therapist directories. There's so many online. There's latinxtherapy.com, psychology today, therapy den, grateful heart, holistic therapy. You can literally just go on and say, Hey, I am looking for this. I'm experiencing this. And you will get such great support and shop around. Like you don't have to stay with the first therapist you speak to, you know, get to know what it is that you're needing and what you're wanting to process. And the therapist will guide you to other therapists. If you know, you feel like it doesn't, it's not a right fit. So it's like you're shopping around and finding that good fit. And there's groups out there too. If you feel like I can't do this right now by myself, there's group therapies going on as well. There's, huge amount of supports out there and you just got to start looking and start asking and starting with your own family and friends and community is always the best place to start. Yeah, that's a, that's a great place to start. I agree. And I think, you know, one thing for a lot of people is, you know, they're setting up, a lot of our families are setting up different therapies for their sons and daughters, right? They've got an occupational therapist, a speech pathologist, you know, Mm -hmm. certainly ABA clinicians coming and going different, you know, different types of modalities and, and whatnot. So being able to find a therapist that can work with your schedule is so important. So make sure you're mm-hmm. communicating up front what it is that you need and what it is that you're concerned about uh, with people because I think, you know, therapists will be able to say whether it's an area of their expertise or not, right, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Exactly. They will, <laughs> and they should. <laughs> right. And and so if, if you talk to somebody and they say, oh, I, I'm sorry, I can't work with, with your schedule or with your needs or whatever it is, that's okay. Keep going. There are lots of there are lots of mental health providers that can support families. Yeah, and there's such different modalities, and it's important to to ask like, what is it the therapist is like focusing on, and what is it that you want to focus on? If it doesn't match, then you know, continue to shop around and find something. Find that therapist that feels like that first five minutes like wow you feel really heard and you feel like you can connect with them and even after the first couple sessions like know that you can move on like and it because the therapist knows it's not about them it's about you and finding that space where you feel safe and where you can process without feeling judged and without feeling like it's going to be harmful so it's so important to to really shop around because then that's where you get to know what is it that you need do a lot of mental health providers let you talk to them beforehand? Is there like a, a consultation that they would do up front or at least some type of email exchange that can kind of help families find the right person or at least narrow down their search a little bit? Yes. The, usually that email kind of just creates like, hey, this is what I'm searching for. And then the therapist can 
be like, you know what, like, I think you're better, it'd be better for you if you went this way, like, here are some referrals. And then usually with most therapists, there's a free phone consultation. And that's where you can really discuss like, hey, I'm looking for this, this is what I'm wanting to work on. And that first phone call is usually free. And it kind of gives you an idea too, of what the therapist, um, what, how they present and how they work and to see if that feels good for you. But most therapists um, offer that free phone consultation. That's great. That's good for families. I think it, you know, certainly some, for some families they have insurance that will provide, you know, or cover at least part of the expense. But for some they would have to pay privately and it would be, I imagine it would be challenging to spend a lot of money up front trying to find the right person. But it would be money exactly. well spent and definitely a good investment in their overall long-term health and long-term mm-hmm. well-being. Yeah. Taking that first step to invest in yourself can be, can feel sometimes really difficult, but I, once you do and you recognize that the space is helping you really um, connect with yourself and what you've been holding, it's such a great, beautiful relief that I think everyone deserves to feel. Avelia, where can we, where can we find you? Where can we find more information about you? Well, there's my website, aveliailarraz.com. Um, I'm also located on different therapy directory, therapist directories. There's my favorite, which is LatinxTherapy.com, Grateful Heart, Holistic Therapy. That's a great resource. You can kind of name your price, and they'll match you with a therapist, depending on your own price. And, um, yeah, you can also find me on Instagram, my first and last name, Avelia Ilera. Great, great. And we'll we'll add those links to the to the show notes for those of you who are interested. Avelia, thank you so much for for being on today. It's such a great insight as to the reasons that families can be uh, should be accessing mental health providers right now, in particular. Thank you for your insight. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks everybody for tuning in. I hope that you pulled some valuable information from this conversation. And uh, just a reminder that addressing our health, our mental health, is an ongoing is an ongoing need. And it's not something that we can just do once and it's taken care of. It's something we should be addressing regularly, particularly right now where we're experiencing more stress from external factors. So if you're, if you're concerned about yourself or if you're concerned about a loved one, if you see something, say something. Uh, mental health is not a taboo topic anymore, and we should be making sure that we get the help that we need and advocating for those that may need it. As always, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Autism Therapies. If you have a show suggestion or other feedback, send us an email at allautismtalk at learnbehavioral.com, and please subscribe and rate us at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of All Autism Talk. This podcast is brought to you by Learn Behavioral, the leading network of providers serving children with autism and other special needs. Visit us at learnbehavioral.com. Listen to previous episodes at allautismtalk.com on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time.